You're listening to Main Character Energy, a podcast that'll teach you how to become that bitch. Main Character Energy gives you a behind the scenes look at how some of the world's most impactful disruptors, innovators, and creatives came from the bottom and embodied what it means to make it in all forms. Now, let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome back to Main Character Energy. Today's guest is a certified boss who's dropping some major gems about ways to step into your power. Now, it's a common misconception that only celebrities, large organizations, or bigger brands need public relations. If you run a small business or you're an emerging creator or business owner, and you've been considering PR marketing for your business, this is definitely for you. In this episode, we speak with entrepreneur Brandy Sims, who is the founder and CEO of Brand Inc. PR. With over 14 years of experience helping brands and public figures manage their public relations through publicity events, campaigns, and community outreach. Now, I've been watching Brandy for a while as a fellow publicist, and let me just say, you know, Brandy is a regular speaker, moderator, and educator at national conferences and events on public relations, aka she knows her shit. Featured in Forbes and PR News, Brandy's professional achievements include receiving Design Rush's top PR company, top influencer marketing agency, and Expertise.com's best digital marketing agencies in Austin. Okay. Now, Brandy currently serves as the chair of the National PRSA, that's the Public Relations Society of America, Entertainment and Sports Section, and she's a PhD candidate at Liberty University. There's a lot to unpack in this episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Now, let's get into it. Hello, and welcome back to Main Character Energy. I have Brandy Sims here, and Brandy is not only another PR pro, which I'm so happy to have here, but a business owner, a speaker, and uh, Austin, Texas resident. Is that correct? Yes, yes, that's correct. Are you born and raised? No, I'm not. I'm actually originally from Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. And my parents were Army. So that's kind of what brought us to this side of uh, the country is, is the military. So I lived in Oklahoma for a few years, and then my husband joined the Navy, and that shipped us off to more destinations, I call it, because it always <laughs> felt like a destination to be in some of those places, and then kind of landed more recently on Austin. So it just worked out perfectly. Oh my goodness. I cannot believe that you are a military brat. I'm also a military brat. Yay. Army <laughs> too or, or Air Force. Air Force. And you kept it going. You're still in a, in a military family. What's that like? Oh, well, now he's retired. Okay. He was. So now he's retired, but it was more recent too. So yeah, it was chaotic to say the least. You know, (laughs) it's very different going from being a military brat or dependent to the spouse, because as a dependent, you know, you're not really getting to see almost everything that happens. And as far as behind the scenes and how things are organized and everything like that. So going from being kind of a military brat and then jumping into the spouse seat, it just opened my eyes so much of just the process of things, how PCS is determined and What's the process there? What resources, what information you have available to help you and your family? And right. it was it was definitely an experience. But yeah, I would say 
all, all in all, even with the resources and the information as a spouse, it was still very chaotic. You know, one minute you're, okay, we're here and we're here for six months. We're going to do this. And then it's like, oh, we've decided you need to be on the East Coast. And it's like, but we're, what? You just got comfortable. Like, we just, I just got comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. And it really happens like that. So yeah, it was definitely an experience. <laughs> well, I feel like that's a very interesting perspective to live it and then see the behind the scenes of it. Because yes. as you know, I mean, being a military kid, all you know is that you have to start over another school yes. and you just made friends mm-hmm. and now you're being dropped into another school, you know, every couple years or so. And I love that you're a military kid too who ended up being in public relations because don't you feel like it's attributed to a lot of your social and people skills? I always say that. It helped so much to be able to just be dropped into new communities and kind of figure out and just kind of try to fit in and make sense of where you are. Oh, I agree 100%. I think it has made us just more adaptable and much more diverse in our thought process, our experiences than the average, you know, student or the average kid that, you know, I've been in my hometown for 20 plus years. I've been best friends with my buddy since, you know, birth, you know, and it for us, it's very different because likely we've been in three to four different states, different areas by the time we're in elementary school. So we get exposed to so much more in such a short amount of time. And it does help us to be able to navigate the world and really understand, not only understand, but really respect different backgrounds and cultures because we're exposed to them right out the gate. And then of course, on the adaptable end, it's that we're, you know, like you said, we're getting plopped into one area and then up time to PCS, time time to move. (laughs) And we're in another area and we're having to go into these areas that we don't know And start over and make new friends and find new churches and all of those different things. Find the new spot that we'll have to for extracurriculars and all of those things. So it definitely puts an experience for us that I think helps in terms of PR and communication because it's very much honestly like kind of the same. You know, we're plopped in different areas and we just have to navigate and we have to adapt very quickly. I know you know this too. You know, we're typically given very limited information oh my goodness. and we have to make something beautiful and great of it all the time, you know? So when you put it I, that way, that, yes. is, that is pretty much what we do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we get exposed to that from, from very early on as children. And, and that's how I feel like we can adapt and we can move more seamlessly in the professional career and especially through PR and communications because we've already done it. We've already been in those positions where, okay, you only have this bit of information and you got to go do something with it. All right, let's go. (laughs) It's a challenge that I know you take on well. I know you do. And now you've set up roots in Austin. How long have you been there and what has it been like running your business in Austin? What is the scene like? I mean, it's such a thriving city right now. Everyone's oh, going there. Yes, yes. So it's only been about seven months that I've been in Austin. So I'm still fairly considered oh new. I've got a couple more months until I'm like a, a true Austinite. But yeah, it's been a really good experience. I would say the reason why I selected Austin as like a good landing spot, especially in terms of career, family, everything like that, 
I had actually gone to this event called Create and Cultivate Austin pop-up. They had done one, I think it was back in 2021, 2021, 2022. And it's a women's empowerment event. It's very, very inspiring, very much on entrepreneurship and leadership. And so I visited it and I was just in awe of how much was available in Austin from leadership, innovation, resources. I mean, the list goes on of just what all it offered. And it just checked so many boxes for me. And for me, coming from Nashville, it was like a music city. This is even better. You know, this is what I, this is my home and what I'm familiar with. And it's just kind of a Texas version of it. Yeah. But yeah, it just checked so many boxes in it. And it just made sense to open my office down there and just get it up and moving and everything like that. So I have my office now in Oklahoma and I've got my office in Austin and it's just been, you know, it's it, like I said, it's just been such an experience and, and so rewarding in many, many ways. But that's what appealed to me yeah. is that it's just growing. It's growing. There's a lot of ideas happening. There's a lot of innovation happening and there's a lot of support for entrepreneurs that's happening um, that in some other areas you see it. Tulsa is one of those that I've noticed that there's been just this big boom of what can we do to help support the small business owner, the entrepreneur, and here are our our resources and our events and activities that we're going to tailor around that to foster that. And you see these economies just go boom. So Austin was very much that, that for me and has been for me this last couple months is just how do I get embedded in, in into the culture, into the community? And it happened very quickly and very genuinely, which I love. So it, it, it's been really great. Ooh, the alignment. I love yes. to hear it. And Austin, it sounds like it's a perfect place for you to be. But I actually got chills when you said that Tulsa is becoming that as well. Just knowing mm-hmm. the history, especially with Black yes. businesses, that is amazing to hear because I wasn't really aware of, I guess, the rebuild that was going on in Tulsa. Was that your second location or was that your first location? So no, that was not one of my locations. My first location was in Lawton, Oklahoma, which is actually right by a military base. Okay. I'm very familiar with Fort Sill. But yeah, that was my first location. But I'm very familiar with Tulsa because I would have frequent campaigns and projects that I would do with clients up in the Tulsa area. So that's how I kind of got exposed to it. But when I tell you, when you go up there, it's just like, it's night and day. I was one of those kids that really wasn't familiar with Black Wall Street, right. um, had not heard about it, didn't have any information. Well, they don't tell us anything about and it. And they don't tell us. <laughs> and they don't tell us. So I think it was, what was it? It was a movie. No, no, no. It was a TV show, The Watchmen, that came oh, out. Okay, yeah. And it actually details it in a very, very unique way into the subplot of the story. And it was, I was shocked. I went after, after I watched the show, I went and just looked it up. And then that's where I was able to learn the history behind the Tulsa Black Wall Street. And I was just shocked. I was like, this was in Oklahoma. I wouldn't even expect. I mean, as conservative and as red as it is, I would have never expected that. But just learning more about that history, I was, it was, I was shocked to find that not only was there a Black Wall Street that was thriving and was successful, but there was also Black towns and safe areas for Black people during that time. And it was just like, wow, like this is amazing. And why, why isn't this being shared? 
to our community. You know, this is important, especially for entrepreneurs. Why not? It's it's such a rich history, especially for us. Maybe that's what got my attention with uh, the show as well. Yes. And that's why representation is so important. And the fact that they tell these stories through media yes. culture and shout out to that whole series because we would have never, you mm -hmm. know, had the chance to see it from that lens. It's always kind of that lens of, you know, you know, maybe when you're at, for example, the African-American History Museum and there's a lot yeah. of sorrow, but important information, but to have it kind of in mainstream culture is a totally different experience. It is. It is. And it's something that I'm starting to see it pop into mainstream and popular culture now in a way that it's never really been done before. And I think that's fantastic. It's, that's exactly what we need because, you know, right now with CRT and different challenges against, you know, educating the truth is what I say. We have to almost go back to what can we rely on on the resources that we have to make sure this information gets to the people that it needs to. And and it's American history. Everyone should know this, but there is this attack on it. So it's like, what other ways can we be you know, saying, hey, like you need to be paying attention. There's a reason why we share history because there's great things in history and there's also terrible things in history. Yes. But with those terrible things, we don't want them to repeat themselves. But if you never know that it happened, then it, it's always going to be a, on the table. It's always going to be an opportunity that it could happen again. So that's why we need to educate on it so, so that we know this is why we don't do this. And this is the history that we have and why it is so impactful and it's so important to talk about it because we don't want it to happen again. If you don't know it, then you never know that this has happened and how devastating it was for the people that it affected at that time. So we've got to tell it. But yeah, I like that there's been kind of the injections of real history and facts into popular culture and kids are in young adults and veterans in, in the professional space are seeing these things and saying, hey, like, I actually didn't know about that. Is this is this a plot or is this for real? And it's like, oh, no, 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 honey, it is for it's real. real and um, here, let's talk about it. And, you know? Yes. And really getting educated on that. But yeah, I, I look at it like stories like that are so important for us in the Black community to see because we need to see the examples, successful entrepreneurship and what that looks like. We're not talking about our cousin Ray Ray selling t-shirts and, and he's an entrepreneur in, in and of itself. We're not talking about that out of the trunk of the car and you technically aren't supposed to be. We're talking about the Madam CJ Walker who was a multimillionaire in her time where it wasn't like, that wasn't the norm. You didn't see black women, you didn't see women, you didn't definitely didn't see black women be as successful as she was and still continuing to have a thriving business, her yeah. family and that legacy continuing on. To learn things like that, I feel like it's so impactful and it's so important, especially for these younger kids that are coming in and saying, you know, I want to get into entrepreneurship, but I have no example. It's like, oh, no, no, no. You've got lots of examples. So many. We just don't talk about them near as much enough and normalizing that level yeah. of success. Like it's, yes. it's not just this modern day thing. Like you said, in her time, she yes. was a million. And to learn about the thriving businesses in Tulsa and like whole towns and whole legacies yes. of this type of, you know, success that's been completely wiped out. The thing that is so interesting as well is there's such a powerful feeling that comes with relearning these things or learning about them or even like reinvigorating some of the uh, generational things that have already been set up 
and these paths that have already been set up for us and kind of being enlightened and then saying, you know what, this is how we're going to rebuild this and continue the story. It's not been erased the way that, you know, it's been Mm -hmm. intended to be erased. It was only, you know, wiped out for us to be able to say, hey, this is something that we want to normalize in our communities and continue. And I think that we preserve culture in a big way with what we do, particularly in comms, because we kind of have a chance to not only, you know, support these thriving businesses, but to be able to tell these stories. And you do that in so many ways. Like I see everything that you're doing. I see you on my LinkedIn feed all the time. And I'm seeing that, you know, your involvement in the PR world is not only it goes beyond you being an agency owner and working with brands and public figures, but I know you're also a speaker and I know you also sit on boards as the chair and all those things that you're doing in that way are examples of just continuing to amplify a lot of these messages. How do you, I mean, it seems like you're very intentional about what you like to align yourself with. So I guess like, how do you, how do you find, how do you keep that intention or what is your, what is kind of like your direction for alignment when it comes to who you want to work with or messages that you want to get out? Oh, that's a very good question. So I think that for me, at least what's been my guiding light to determine like who I want to partner with and what, what's a good fit is their mission. What is their mission? What are their values? What is the overall structure of the organization? And how it aligns with me and where I'm at at this point in my career and what I'm working on and doing. I definitely believe it's important to be intentional in your involvement with anything you choose to be involved in, whether it's, you know, you you decide to go for work opportunities or it's a pro bono or it's a volunteer type of thing. You need to be intentional with who you align and you have those relationships with. And I think it's a part of your growth. That's the reason why. It's a part of your growth. If you're not in a space where you can grow, then why are you doing it? You know, and why are you doing something for the sake of just doing? Absolutely not. That's wasting time. It is. What I like to share with some of my mentees, interns, is a very important note is that, you know, when you're getting on these boards, you need to be thinking of why you're on this board and what it is that you are hoping to achieve with this. You know, is it just to have something written on your resume to say you were on it? Is that, is that your goal? Right. And then for what? Like it's on your resume for who? For what? Like and you still have to have who? intention behind that. <laughs> exactly. There has to be an intention behind it. And, you know, the more that we talked about it, the more it was like, okay, so I understand because in the past, what many would do is let me just try to get on every board, every committee that I can, and then I'll be able to say on my resume that I was involved in this capacity. And, and it looks good, right? It looks good. And- I feel like that's a terrible way to go about it because at the end of the day, like you're on all these boards and and you're doing what? You're just there. You know, eventually they weed those people out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's the potential that you're going to get kicked off anyway. But then you also, why bother? Why bother wasting time like that? Why bother reaching out to someone if you aren't really aligned with what they do? It doesn't seem like something that you want to grow and foster. Like, why be involved, you know? Yeah, definitely. So I definitely think it's important to be an in- intentional in those those relationships, those partnerships. And those are the first things that I look at. What is the organization's mission and values? What does the structure look like? 
I know back in during the pandemic, which I say back in. I know. It It feels like a whole other time. It feels like a whole other time. Seriously. It feels like a whole another century. (laughs) I I refer to things, some things as BC and (laughs) and modern day. Yeah. It does. It does. It so does. Um, But I, I look back at that time. And, you know, we had, you know, the insurrection, we had the Black Lives Matter movement, we had so many different monumental things that happened that really turned the knob and really turned it up in terms of DEI and how important it was for organizations to be aware of it, not only aware, but be actionable in it. And I look back at that time and and that is when I started to really pick up, you know, I had started my business, had been going off on my own and, you know, I was getting approached left and right. Oh, we want you on this board. We want you on this. And that is where I had to put on that hat of Okay, where where is there's is there an alignment here? Does this make sense? And also put on another hat of DEI. Am I being approached because they are genuinely interested in me and what I bring to the table, or they're looking at me as the check mark to their mm-hmm. box and tokenism? Mm-hmm. And I don't and I do not like that and I don't appreciate that. And that's something that we have to really consider as well when we're deciding to either join a board or if we're being approached about one. That's why I said organizational structure. What does their structure look like? Yes. Are there people like you in their board? Take a look at that website real quick. Look at that website <laughs> real quick. And you will, it will answer all the questions you have. Yes, it will. Uh, to be honest, it'll answer all the questions you have and whether this is a proper alignment for where you're at and what you want to achieve with that board or with that organization. But yeah, that that's kind of been my guide in light. And it's always helped me to determine, okay, is this a good move? Is this a good partnership? Is this a good strategy mm-hmm. as far as involvement and moving, deciding to move forward with it or deciding not to? Yeah. But yeah, I try to be very intentional about that. And also time. Time is a really important thing too. Yes. Do I have the time to commit to the needs of this organization where it is. And there's some times where I have to say, I'm so sorry, you know, I'd love to, there is a a whole alignment here. I see it, you know, and I see where we could really grow in this, but I just simply do not have it. As an agency owner, an entrepreneur, as a wife and mom, you know, I'm already juggling lots of, lots of balls during the day, you know, so it does make it a little bit more challenging for me to just be on everything. So I have to be a little bit more focused and targeted as to what I'm going to involve myself in. And if I have that time to really commit um, and give them everything that they are looking for, and it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Ooh, I love that. Mutually beneficial. Yes. And like you said, you know, being spread thin is a big part of it because back in the day when everybody would, you know, rush to be on all these boards, yep. how much are you really, you know, being able to give? And yes. one thing I hate is I hate being involved and feeling like I'm not giving much yes. to it. Like that's that's a terrible feeling to me. Yes. And, and burnout is real. And I'm always talking about, you know, we'll kind of get into that a little bit more about kind of how you, you know, take care of your mental health and wellness throughout all of this, because wearing all these hats and Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship and, you know, being a parent, being a wife, all these things, like you said, kind of takes your time up. And so being intentional is like the number one thing I can definitely tell from the things you're involved in. I can really see the alignment. I think it comes off very clearly. And I think that that's definitely something for people just starting off to kind of consider. One other thing I want to say about that, 
before we move on to the next topic is that, you know, having a filled up resume and being involved in a bunch of things, you think that might be a good look. It could really backfire, not only right? in terms of you're not giving a lot of your time or you're or you're spending your time all these places. It could just really backfire because if you're not being really intentional to look up people's mission and values mm-hmm. and, and what's going on and well, listen, we'd need a whole other episode for that DEI piece because I've definitely been there too when people just kind of want to uh, tick a box and have you on there. Mm-hmm. But I think that that is one huge misconception when it comes to building your brand is that you need to be everywhere in doing everything. Mm-hmm. So I want to I want to transition into a few more misconceptions. Yeah. I think that there are so many when it comes to especially – PR and, you know, as as PR practitioners, it is our job to constantly educate and constantly set expectations and discuss the differences between PR and marketing and branding and sales and all these things. I was wondering what you think one major misconception when it comes to PR or people who are, you know, seeking PR that they might not understand quite clearly. What do you hear a lot? I think the biggest misconception that I receive is that PR is just for big companies. It's only for Mm -hmm. large companies, you know, it's only for the big budget people. And it's just not the case. You know, every business, whatever level that you're in and whatever industry you represent, you need PR. And you likely already have some kind of inkling of PR, but you're just not really effectively using it in the way that it could maximize the benefits and the results that you're looking for. But yeah, I get that all the time, whether it's through leads, I serve on panels and I'm answering questions. And I always get that one is that, oh, well, isn't PR just for like celebrities or is it, isn't PR just for those big companies? And, and, I, and I say the same thing. It's like, absolutely not. Everyone needs PR. Even the startup founder, you need PR because here's why. PR is what's going to give you the sustainability by leveraging your image, by leveraging those stories that we're sharing with not only the media, but the public. You know, that is what's going to give you that longevity that you're looking for in terms of your success, in terms of your business overall, and in terms of you as a founder and as the leader of this organization, your image is in there as well. You know, that's what's going to give you that sustainability that you're ideally looking for is PR. And I know you know this as well. You know, we always talk about, you know, it's, this is the long game. You know, this isn't a, oh, well, we're just going to pay for it in this two weeks. And then I'm going to be on Forbes and then Oprah next and da, 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 da. And it's like, that's not how it works, sweetie. Like if that's what you're looking for, then you're in the wrong space. Okay. You know, it is very much the long game. What are we doing every day? What are we doing every week that's fueling and adding those like what they say, what the cookies in the cookie jar, adding that trust and making that deposit, you know, into the bank of your consumer. It takes a little bit at a time. And that's how PR is effective. And that's how it gets better. And that's how it grows is you're all, you're constantly investing in that each and every day that you are sharing and communicating about your business. But yeah, it's something that small businesses, startup founders, Like I emphasize this so much because they are the main ones that say that, oh, well, you know, I'm not quite there yet. And oh, well, I'll I'll need PR when my company gets big. And it's like, no, you need it now 
Because how do you think those companies got big? PR from the very beginning. From the very beginning and telling that story. And like you said, it's especially when it comes to, you know, I work with a lot of startup founders as well. And I think it's because, you know, of course, building a startup, sure, building any business, there can be a lot of imposter syndrome and everybody always thinks they have to make it to a certain point before, yes. you know, they have to ma- they have to um, master this level and then they get to this part, then once they master that. But the thing about PR is, I mean, we're helping you tell that story throughout. And it's a very relatable thing to be going through these highs and lows as a business owner. And not even the lows, but just being able to document over time what you've been doing. Yes. Because when you're in your own head thinking about it, of course, you can tell yourself, you can discourage yourself very easily. But I mean, as PR people, not only are we helping you make those deposits, I really like that analogy. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be thinking about that one for a while. But we also help you tell the story, you know, think about things from this outside viewpoint. And we hype you up a little bit. We got to remind yeah. you like, hey, wait a second. What you're doing is important. Yeah. And 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 it's and you need that. You mm-hmm. really need that type of team around you when you're building something as incredible as, as you're building. So I had also on my misconceptions that, you know, it does not happen overnight. Um, That's a word. <laughs> it's just something that has to, you know what I mean? Like yes. as soon as you said it, I was like, please, yes. Yep. Because it is a long game, but it is so rewarding. And like you said, other companies that are that are quite large that get to that level mm-hmm. and have PR, they've been doing it. They most likely have been doing it for a while. And yes. that's been your experience as well. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, when you look at the Walmarts, you look at the Amazons, you and you really unpack their story and how they got to the point that they they are today where they're this huge conglomerate you peel back all those layers and you see that at its basic core on the PR end and communications end they were doing a lot of the things that startup founders are or should be doing right now They were getting the word out about their business. They were sharing flyers. They were getting on the media talking about, hey, I've got this incredible thing. I need you to check it out. And here's why. All of those little things, quote unquote, you know, all those little things are what helped them to get to the point that they were at today. And it started with just that little bit. It doesn't seem like much, but look at where where they, uh, what they became, Because they continued, they had a strategy, they used those effective tactics, and they were consistent. I think that's what the biggest thing, and and I've heard this from other like very successful entrepreneurs, is that you know I'm not really special. I'm not extraordinary at what I do. I mean, I mean, I just do it well. But the the key thing has always set me apart from others is that I was consistent. I was the guy or I was the girl that did not quit. Mm-hmm. And and that advice to me, I always try to, especially on the days where I'm like, oh, this is not working. I don't know what's happening. And there are those days. The building, like, is, real. Yes, the building <laughs> is burning. What's going to happen? And I think about those things and I'm like, stop, hold on. And, and I think about that quote specifically because it's like, no, like I don't have to be superwoman. I'm not going to get it right every time. But one thing that is always going to set me apart and what's going to set the successful entrepreneurs and founders apart is that they're the ones that don't quit. They're always consistent. 
They are willing to play the long game. That is what's going to set you apart. And that's what is setting you apart. The fact that you're here, the fact that you are in this space now, and yeah, it's kind of woe is me and oh, it's, everything is just not working out today, but look how far you've gotten. You should be proud of that because many, they quit first, second day. As soon as they don't get a paycheck and realize, okay, oh, this well, well this is not like the nine to five anymore. Like I'm not, it's just not coming in on the first and the 15th. I actually have to go get it. A lot of people, they exit right stage left immediately when they realize, oh, I actually like got to grind it out. And this is, it's up to me yeah. now, you know, they can get out. So that's the fact that you're here, that is a lot. And that's a big deal. And that's worth celebrating. It so, is. you know, that those, those little things and those little nuggets that, you know, I hear and I, and I talk to people about and, and have those conversations, you know, that those are one of those things that, you know, you keep that in mind, like, you have to be consistent with it. You have to be consistent with it and you have to stay on it. And, and part of that is discipline. You have to be willing to do the work and make the investment. Those companies were you just a few years back. I think Walmart, 50 years. Amazon, the 90s. There's so there's so Come many of these brands that have grown so quickly. Like I think, you know what it kind of blew my mind the other day is big fan of Topicals and their founder, CEO, They've grown so largely in just, uh, I, I saw that they just had their three-year birthday. Wow. And wow. I feel like I've seen them everywhere. You know, it's yes. one of those things. There's so many examples, but they just came to mind because it, it just passed. And I was like, so much of what they've done in the last three years was consistency. I mean, mm -hmm. I could do a case study on it just thinking about yep. the way that they've leveraged media, the way that they've leveraged like ambassadors and influencers, yes. just having really good, of course, got to have a great product yes. and then having great like visual assets and things that really relate to their target audience. It's just that consistency and a big part of that as a business owner is knowing to, you know, outsource certain things because yes. no, you can't do everything. But like you said, that's why we use the word investment so mm -hmm. much in PR because another misconception is that PR does not equal sales. Mm. Does not equal sales. Of course, it's a supporting, you know, driver to help the business goals, mm -hmm. right? But I think that that's one thing where when people are kind of, you know, th playing that long game and thinking about, okay, what does my business need? I think sometimes there could be a misconception that, okay, if I do a month of PR, I want to see X amount in sales. Otherwise, it's not working. Mm, yes. Have you kind of seen that in your? Yes. No, absolutely. I definitely have that. And, you know, how I combat it is I explain to them, you know, what the role of PR is and what it is not. It is not meant to be your sales driver. That's your marketing. That's marketing. You no. Know? And each of the different. Okay. So this is how I like to share it. So we have marketing, we have advertising, and we have public relations. Each have a very specific and targeted role that they play. Each are equally important and they have to be done consistently to be effective. So when I have folks that say, oh, well, you know, I only, I'm only doing the PR because I need X amount of sales. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. PR is just not effective. And I'm like, the first thing I ask is like, okay, so what are you doing with your marketing? Yes. And the next thing I, I typically always get is, oh, well, 
Sometimes we'll post on social media, but sounds about right. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's not con- it's not consistent. And you know, occasionally I post, and I'm like, okay, let's look at your handle. Okay, so you haven't posted in six months. Okay, so if your audience wants to know what's happening with you, they know not to go here because it's not even an active page. Because look at how frequently you're posting. And then the next thing is, okay, so do you have a website? Oh, okay then. So we have an issue of you're not doing, or we're missing an a-, a key aspect of this that helps it make to make it successful. Absolutely. PR supports the marketing. PR is where we're leveraging those stories and we're leveraging that information to help share awareness. Your marketing is essentially that push, 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 push. Advertising kind of the same thing, but mm-hmm. it's, I, I want you to buy this. Advertising and marketing is where all of that salesy, pitchy stuff comes from because it, it's very direct and it's very intentional. Right. PR is intentional in its own way, but it's not the only thing that you need to be doing. You nef- definitely need to be taking care of your marketing because we need those marketing materials to be able yes. to support us in PR. If you don't have a website, if you don't have an active social media, you are not doing us a service and you're not really doing it and and indirectly not doing yourself a service when you're missing these key elements. Because I know you know this too, when we reach out and we're pitching on behalf of these brands and these businesses, first thing that the the reporter and the journalists are going to go to is, okay, what's their website? What's their social? Because they're going to go scope and they're going to go creep and see what's going on there. Okay, so let's see. So not really active on social. Website, non-existent or not active. It's still showing 2019 under its little copyright footnote thing. So you're telling me that this is an amazing brand and they've got a great product and that we need to showcase it and feature it, but they're not even bothering to keep their information updated on the marketing side. You know what the next answer is going to be? Um, we, we've looked at someone else, but we'll keep you in mind. Right. It, it, it's past. And that's it's the past. reality. Yeah. It's the reality. Those are the types of conversations that we have and the information and feedback that we receive from those reporters and journalists. So it's very important that we don't miss that element of marketing. Marketing has a place. Advertising has a place. PR has a, a, a place. And PR supports marketing. If marketing is completely missing from this. What can you do? You, your your PR is not going to be as successful as it can be. It's going to be good, but don't you want it to be great in your investment? Don't you want to see the max results in this? Then you have to be invested in all three and in, in proper in, in proper alignment of all three. Each of them matter, and they all help to support one another to make success, successful campaigns. That is a word perfectly said, Brandy. And this is the thing that you know we like you said, have this conversation at the very beginning. It's embedded in our work, but I like to reiterate it because I know there's a lot of people who maybe they like, we hear a lot, maybe they feel like they're not ready for it. And maybe it's not that they're not ready, but maybe they do need to take a few steps before they're ready to really invest and maximize, you know, what a PR campaign could look like. So I would definitely suggest to people starting out to take a look at the website, take a look at, yeah, Mm -hmm. what your marketing plan is. And then that way you're coming to the table really, you know, really ready prepared. for, yeah, prepared, ready for success, ready to see some, mm-hmm. some real results. But I, I have to tell you, I've definitely seen that where, you know, when journalists are kind of doing their 
they're fact checking their due diligence as they mm-hmm. as they do to yeah. see who you are. It has to be. I mean, in my head, it, the word is like it has to look legitimate. Like it has to yeah. it has to look strong. It has to. So that's why it's like you know even taking the time to invest in great visuals and a good website seems like you know it's just one of the foundational things you need to do yes it's really it's the so basics important. having some good photos good visuals by the time we want to go pitch you you have a good headshot good product shot things like that are definitely kind of a, a, a solid foundation but are there any other misconceptions that you that you get a lot that you kind of want to speak on or are those kind of the main ones those are kind of the main ones that I get is, is, you know, <laughs> that it's always the big companies that need it. Oh, it, uh, well, I'm not a celebrity, so I don't need PR or just kind of the, in terms of budget, sometimes I get those. It's, it's, it's the big budget people, you know, I have to have this huge, huge budget to have PR yeah. and, you know, and that's not always the case because there's levels to it, you know. I specialize and primarily work with small to mid-sized companies. It's my preference. I like it. It works. Mm-hmm. My team, we can we can handle it on that aspect. So I prefer it that way. But there are others, you know, some of the larger PR agencies that handle like the major corporations like Coca-Cola and all of those, right. like Ketchum and Fleischman Hiller, you know, right. there's definitely levels to the different agencies in size and what they specifically tackle and and take on. So there's levels to it, but yeah, the budget aspect of it too. I get a lot of misconceptions that it's just for the the big, big, you know, Barbie budget. Yeah, <laughs> that just came up. Well, I, mean, oh, I, I don't Barbie have Barbie's budget. budget. <laughs> <laughs> I need and it's that. like, yeah, yeah, and I, and it's funny because I I see the memes and I hear about it often. And I'm just like, listen, you know, sometimes we don't even have the Barbie budget. So hush, because right. if we did like, man, the cool stuff that we'd be able to do in the like that, that campaign. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, you don't need a Barbie size budget to invest in your no, PR. You, you just need to have your stuff in order. Mm-hmm. Have your foundational items checked off the box. Mm-hmm. Do you have a website? Do you have social media handles? Are you posting consistently, you know, those are the basic things that we look for and the media looks for when they're wanting to properly vet people, you know, and, and of course, kind of like what you mentioned, updated images, it doesn't help if you're gray now and you have a picture of when you had blonde highlights, you know, that's, we need to update that. (laughs) Definitely need to update that. I love, I love that. Like there's just levels, there's levels to it. There's something for everyone. Sometimes somebody might be best with maybe a PR freelancer or, yes. you know, there's benefits to having small agencies like you and I have yes. where you have a little bit more support. And so, yeah, there's definitely something for for everybody in that way. But I do want to switch gears and talk yeah. a little bit more about you. And, yeah. you know, with all the things that you're doing, I'm very curious, how do you stay creative and how do you kind of stay in this flow state of being able to keep generating really great ideas for not only your clients, but for yourself, because you got to do it for you too. You're doing your own PR at the end of the day as well. Yes. Yes. So true. So true. So I think what helps me to stay abreast of things and, and really come from a, a unique creative space is one, I always try to stay abreast of trends and insights, right? So I follow a lot of the major PR communications groups, news, um, PR News is one that I I check out very frequently, PR Daily. I like to see subgroups like Generation PR, Pitching Powerhouse. Mm -hmm. 
and several other groups. But I try to stay, um, stay aware of what's happening. What are, what are some new things that are coming out that may be beneficial for my team or myself to be utilizing, especially in terms of software and technology? So I definitely try to stay connected to those outlets where they're sharing that information so, so that I'm aware. And then I can use those things when it comes time for brainstorming and creative sessions. I'm aware of what are some really good software that can help streamline my process and help mm-hmm. me in my process that'll make it really, really beneficial. And then, of course, I think overall, the awareness aspect of it, it's a, it's a major, major thing. But I will say when it's time to actually sit down and brainstorm and really come up with new things, I try to pull from different sources of inspiration. So what I'll do is I'll look at, you know, current campaigns that are taking place. What are some things that some of the larger agencies have done? And and what are some campaigns that I've seen that I actually like? And what are some things that I can actually pull from where I'm at with this particular client in this particular industry that I may be able to use? I, I know we just mentioned Barbie. But it was such a great campaign. It and it, oh my gosh, the person that's writing that case study, they were flawless <laughs> in it. They were flawless in it. When you talk about brand partnerships, nailed it. When you talk about interviews, media outreach, <laughs> nailed it. So good. It was so frequent and even down to social and getting consumers involved. You know, we had one period, I think it was in, it wouldn't have been in July. It would have been maybe April, May Mm -hmm. when you saw everybody with the headline of Barbie on their, on their profile pictures. I mean, it was a flawless campaign. People getting just so involved with it, changing their avvies and it really drummed up that excitement. So people who weren't even planning to see it were like, you know what? It's, it's everywhere. I'll check it out. And that's the goal. (laughs) And that's the goal. And they had amazing results from it, right? So, I mean, I feel like that's a classic example of effective PR and marketing uh, strategies and tactics, you know? So something like that, I would pull inspiration from, like, what was it that they did? And really breaking it down from its roots and just seeing what are some things that I can pull from and get some ideas and, and utilize in my own campaigns and campaigns that we're running. But yeah, I try to pull from different sources because um, it helps to get a different perspective. What are some angles that we have not considered or I haven't considered and really looked at that we could be tapping into? I think that while technology is great, I think sometimes we do get so caught up in it that we forget that PR in its core is word of mouth. Yes, absolutely. People like to get things in their hand, you know, like street teams handing out flyers. You're just walking and you see one. Oh, well, that's kind of cool. You know, this looks like a fun thing. People like to be involved, kind of talking about the social media aspect of the Barbie campaign. You know, I get to put my fancy headline on here and then there's this nice filter and I look so great. And then all of my friends are going to want to, people like being involved and incorporated into it. And that's what PR is it, to its very core and it's down to its roots. The solution seems complex, but it's very simple. People want to be involved. People want to be seen. How are we creating ways where people can do that and feel like they're a part of this, mm-hmm. this campaign that we're doing? And I think that's where 
it helps a lot to, especially when I'm in that brainstorming and creative stage of, okay, what do we do? What, what, what have we done? Did that work? And what are other people doing? What are some things that I could potentially pull that might be helpful and, and really strip it down. Don't make it complicated or too complicated where it's not necessary. Really look at it for what it is. What do people want? They want to feel included. They want to feel like they're a part of the narrative. They're a part of the conversation and they're a part of the brand. And they are. They are what are some ways that we can make that happen? I love that. No, <laughs> it's really going back to the roots, like you said, and not overcomplicating things because a lot of times that is what happens. Like we kind of think about, you know, being on this level where we're not really stripping it down to just kind of like, what is the brief? What's the, what, what are, what's the goal that we're trying to achieve in the simplest way we can do that? And then you can add on to it. Right. But yes. I love, especially when you're pulling inspiration from case studies or past campaigns to look across industries and look mm-hmm. outside of, you know, the space that you're already working in. And it it was such a good practice because you just reminded me that whenever I do that, I am coming back to the basics of, I remember back in, uh, in college, we actually had to look at this coin hot sheet. Coin okay. PR in New Jersey always yes. released this hot sheet that every week we were assigned to basically kind of pick apart campaigns and get inspiration from campaigns. Mm-hmm. And it became so much of a practice. And I realized that maybe that's where I, that's why I really love to be able to do that and kind of pick apart case studies and yes. and see where it, it comes from. Cause it's, it, it does really draw out that inspiration, especially when, like you said, everything's technology, everything. So, you know, people, I know we utilize, of course, we're going to go into AI. Of course, we are utilizing AI more and more now. And I know it can generate ideas and I know it can help. It can be a great tool to help yes. us flush out ideas and save time, which we like to do. So absolutely, I am not, you know, I'm not on <laughs> yeah, AI at all. But I just really like that note to kind of go back to basics. Like even I like to do my brainstorming outside, even like away from my laptop sometimes. Or if I bring it, I like to kind of be in a space where I don't feel like I've been sitting at my desk all day and try to just really go like so simple back to, yeah, what back to the drawing board in that way or literally draw on my whiteboard and things like that. Yes. You know, it's like it, it's the simplest things, but it kind of helps us get our get our creativity out more. I, I didn't even ask. So tell me a little bit more about some of the clients that you're working on, some of the industries that you're working on. Oh, for sure. For sure. So definitely been working a lot with the music side of things. One of our current clients is a music company based out of Nashville. And what they do is they specifically help entrepreneurs or music entrepreneurs and artists, indie artists specifically. Very cool. And provide them with the resources so that they can be successful in their independent music career. So I get to work with some amazing, amazing music executives, all the way down to those indie artists that are just pushing out music. And really just hoping to get the word out and really raise that awareness about what they have to offer. And and it's been such a ride. Music has not been a really big part of entertainment that I've dealt with. I mean, in the past, you know, and really just initially getting into the entertainment space, I mostly work on the sports side. Um, I had worked with NFL player back, and this is kind of a little bit back, a couple years back, it seems longer, but um, pandemic kind of. Yeah, (laughs) our time, I feel like it's like, hopped, right? Yes. But I had worked with Seattle Seahawks player Cam Chancellor several years back. And then I worked with an, um, an NBA ref, Tony Brothers as well. 
So that was kind of my first exposure into entertainment was sports side. Right. So cut to just a couple years later, dealing with more on the music side. That's been a really interesting experience to see just what they have to deal with and navigate on this sector in this specific space in entertainment. Right. So yes, working with music companies, artists, things like that has been such a ride and such an experience in and of itself to see just kind of what their process is and how I kind of fit into all of that and our team kind of fits into all that to help to support them. But also still working with nonprofit organizations from time to time in a variety of areas from food insecurity, food banks, women's advocacy groups, voter registration, things like that, um, have worked with those, um, as well as political figures. The last several years have hopped on a couple campaigns to help support and raise awareness again about their their aspirations and support for the community. So yeah, it, it's pretty diverse. And I, I didn't even mention this. Tech has been another big one that's just kind of been You're everywhere. Um, keeping it up. You know, you know, I've gotten yeah. more responses and and had the opportunity to work with several tech companies. One was kind of a, a branch between entertainment and tech. Oh wow. Out in California. That was a really, really fun project to to get to work on and again get exposed to tech side of things and the needs as far as PR and communications from their end. Mm-hmm. I will say this with tech companies, it's it's been fun, but it's also kind of like I'm in awe of them. One, because the genius that they have and the innovation that they have to create some of these amazing, amazing products and apps and different things like that. But when it comes to their communication and PR, they are completely clueless. I've seen, I've seen a little bit of it. I've seen seen it. Okay. I, so I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And you're surrounded by a lot of it in Austin, aren't you? It's like a tech hub now. Oh my goodness. It is a tech hub. I've even heard terms of it's the new Silicon Valley. Yes, brand. I've been like, hearing okay, that. I, I could see that. I mean, you've got some major spots here. It's sure. Tesla, it's Samsung, it's Google, you know, and more are coming in every single day. So as I speak to them and I get to interact with them more, I'm always surprised to just hear like, one, how they were able to build and create these amazing things. And then two, we talk about PR and communication and they're just like, oh, uh, well, I I don't really, you know, uh, I, I mean, I'm on Facebook and it's like, no, you mean to tell me you can build another Facebook, but you didn't have, <laughs> you have know nothing about how to communicate properly for yourself, for your brand. You are not Let's alone talk. in that experience. Everybody's got their wheelhouse yeah. and that's where we come in. <laughs> But it's cool because like it's 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 yeah. just it's very mind blowing because I've seen yes. the same thing where I'm like now wait a minute yes no literally like you are building insane things over yes. here we gotta get you out here we gotta t- we gotta tell people about this but I have seen a little bit of that like you know they're you know they're in their uh, zone yes. of genius. Mm-hmm. We love them to be in their zone of genius because one thing I do love to do is be the expert in what I'm the expert in <laughs> and someone yeah. else be the yeah. expert in what they're the expert in, yeah. but helping them kind of draw out these things and helping them like tell these stories. It's, it's a great joy for me to be able to like, you know, have people see some of the great things that people in that world have been doing. So I'm a little bit yeah. new into it as well, but I, I've definitely seen a bit of that, but it, it must be, you know, very exciting for you to get to draw inspiration, not only from past campaigns and things, but from yourself and from your, yes. you know, these different industries that you've worked in different clients that you've touched on along the way. Cause 
weirdly enough, I'm sure you could work with a voting rights campaign and it's super different from the music industry, but there could still be things that you saw that worked really well Mm -hmm. that you want to kind of bring over and, and tell them about. So it sounds like you're in a really fulfilling place. Yes. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, and and it's one of those things that I know there's always this emphasis on, you need to niche down, you need to just be this, or you need to be very specific. But I've never been that in my entire life, been just so monolith and just stuck in just one spot in one space. I like to do a lot of things. I like to be involved in a lot of things. And I feel like if we have this talent and we have this gift to help people in this way, why would I just limit it to just people in this space? I can help you here and I can help you there and, you know, and do all of those wonderful things. So yeah, I, I think it's important to find Yes, what you're good at and and what inspires you and lifts you up, mm-hmm. but don't just limit yourself if you're if you're good at other things and you're mm-hmm. good in other areas because kind of like what we mentioned, you know, in the tech space, you know, those folks need help too. And yes, you yeah. are the expert. You can bring in these incredible ideas to those that really need it. And and you be doing yourself a disservice by not doing it just to simply stay in a bubble and, oh, I can only niche to this specific area or they should. Oh no, if you're good at this, by all means, bring it in yeah. and, and continue to grow in your career and hone in as you're learning more about this new industry and applying your tactics and what you know and, and, and continue to grow in that. You know, why not? Go for it. That was helpful for even for me too, Brandy, because I'm the same way where I'm like, yeah. I'm always, you know, we're combating that niche down and be this yes. type of agency thing. And I think that our niche or what we what we end up attracting is like you mm-hmm. said, being aligned, just finding alignment is the yes. niche. I think I think so anyways, just knowing that you're helping certain types of founders, certain types of businesses, like there is a commonality there and it can be different, different industries. Plus we get bored and we were military kids, so we need to like a switch up every so often. So exactly, (laughs) it definitely makes sense. A hundred percent. We can't stay in one spot for too long anyway. So I need engagement. I need, I need something different. We got to switch it up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And the, my thing is, you know, when we're doing all these things, man, it's about prioritizing, you know, our mental health as long as we are in a good place, as long as we can be, you know, keeping a sustainable, you know, type of lifestyle, sustainable, you know, workplace for ourselves. That is what the yes. driving factor that gives us the energy to keep going and then get excited about new things. But as we are juggling, you know, being a speaker and, you know, being involved with work and family, how do you prioritize wellness for yourself? Does that look like, you know, incorporating certain breaks into your work? Because of course you are the boss of your business. So you, you kind of call the shots. Like, has it been a lot of unlearning for you, you know, from maybe past experiences or what does your approach to wellness look like as a business owner? Oh, yes. So I think that for me, it was definitely the first year in business that it really kind of woke me up and said, hey, like if you continue in the trajectory that you're in, you're going to burn out yeah. and that's it. And, 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 and that's exactly what happened. So within the first year of business, from really the first couple months, I was able to bring on clients left and right. I was, my book was packed. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But I was also by myself. Yeah. And I hadn't really quite built up my team. So I was running ragged. I was into everything. 
And, and it sucked because it took away time from my family. It took away time from my friends. And while I'm here, I'm not really here. And now why I left, the reason why I left the nine to five in the corporate world was now kind of what I was getting right back into yes. is being on that rabbit hole or yeah, on that, uh, like, uh, that hamster wheel, wheel. Yeah. that hamster wheel of, okay, work, 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 and no time for myself. And I got to keep grinding it out and team no sleep. Right. Because awesome. that was a thing. <laughs> and after a year of that, I was like, okay, this is not going to work. And so what I did is I really took a step back and I looked at and really assessed like, where am I at and where do I want to be? Well, for one, I can't have this many people and not have help. You know, I, I know we hear it all the time, team, no sleep, and you can grind it out. You just got to care more and you've got to be more and you can do it by yourself. And I did it by myself and I'm a multimillionaire. And it's like, but that, that is a story in and of itself. And it's a lie. Okay. Yeah. And I want to live you, my life. Like, you know, no. enjoy and, it. And, and exactly. And those people that bless their heart, but they end up so miserable and so sad because they've spent their entire lives just on the hamster wheel of work. And they miss out on so many important pivotal moments of their growth and their, their family and those friends. They miss all of that yeah. because they only cared about work. So for me, it was one of those things that I don't want to be that person. The whole purpose of creating my own business is to have that flexibility, but be also be able to do what I love and what I enjoy and make a solid income, right? Yeah. So what I started to do as I just kind of looked at everything as it was, I was like, okay, number one, I've got to delegate. That's it, delegate. And so I started to find my team and really build my team and started very small, first with an assistant. Oh, amazing. Somebody that that's what they do. The admin, the emails, that's what they do helped. And, and that lift, I felt the lift of, okay, that's, that's one. Okay. And then I started to break down and or and how my schedule was being organized. I was all over the place. I had this really cute binder for happy planner with the stickers and all, but I had a bunch of other ones too. So I was like, okay, we need to centralize Yes, and we need to actively be using it. Not just for the stickers, oh my but actually getting organized. Okay. <laughs> It can't just be cute. It has to be functional. It has to be functional. Okay. So I started blocking off times where, okay, from this time to this time, this is where I'm I'm not doing any work. No work, no phone. Like this is my peace time. Mm -hmm. And then I've got this time where, you know, if I have a family event or I'm going to make something, this is my time with my family right. and so on and so forth. I started to prioritize, you know, where am I putting my energy and focus on? And that's the time I do it. If I don't get all of it done in that time, it'll roll over to the next one. There we go. But there's not going to be any more of, if I don't get it done, I guess I'm not eating lunch today. I guess I'm not eating dinner. Oh, now it's about midnight. No, we're not doing that because that's bad for your mental health and it's bad for your physical health. Mm -hmm. But getting organized and prioritizing, okay, what am I going to focus on here and how I'm going to do this and the time frame I'm going to do this and blocking off those times there. That was super, super critical for me and really changed the trajectory of everything and how I looked at game it. Game changer. Oh my Yes, goodness. it's a game changer. Prioritizing your wellness. Oh my gosh. It is like life gems right here yeah. because it does, it changes your outlook and it also changes your productivity. 
you're happier, you're more fulfilled. You know, you can come in and be a rock star if you're presenting or you're doing a show or you're doing an interview or you're working with your clients. Like you can show up and show out because you are filling your cup on the back end yeah. and you're prioritizing it. It's not just the, oh, whenever I get time or, oh, it, it, w- once I get successful, then I'll do it. And it's like, no, you need to do that now. Because it's going to impact how you're going to go about your day. And honestly, for founders and owners, how successful your business is going to be is going to be determined by how much you prioritize your mental health and your wellness in that. But those are those are the ways that I did it. Learning how to delegate. Ooh, that was a hard one. But I was on the the Diddy approach of, oh, team, no sleep. Oh, so what are you guys doing? It's 11 o'clock at night or it's two o'clock in the morning and I'm up working. I'm grinding. You're not serious. (laughs) And, you know, and that's what I was allowing to fuel my mind and thinking that's what I needed to do to be successful. It's like, I can't, I just need to be all in and nothing else matters. And it's just not the case. We're human. We're not robots. You're not. We're not. And and we have to stop this narrative of team no sleep because guess what? Team no sleep is going to be immediately team burnout. And that's what you don't want because when you burn out founders and owners, your business burns out. So how is that helping to fuel your goal of being the successful business down the line if you're burning out from the very beginning? It's not. And what happens is you're almost spinning in this circle of not being productive because you haven't slept well, you haven't eaten well. Now you have guilt because like you said, you weren't making time for your passion projects or family or things that fill up your cup. And then you get a little bit resentful. You get a little bit more and more depleted. And the next thing you know, you hit a wall and you need to keep routines and schedules and things like that because it keeps you loving what you do. Yeah, I, I, I've been in your shoes and I'm so glad that you spoke on it to bring some transparency yeah. to the fact that, you know, I was just like you when I quit my job to maintain my mental health and then fell right back into that cycle because mm-hmm. you kind of, you kind of almost have to at first, right? Like you need to make money. Like, you yes. know, you need to make money. So I knew uh-huh. I was like, I'm going to take these contracts. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to make some money. Now I'm, you know, I'm on that hamster wheel back again. Yep. But then it was definitely similarly a game changer for me to start delegating. Delegating is like the best thing I I ever did. And I will always (laughs) preach to people like delegate. I tell my friends and people I know I'm proud of you for delegating. Like I'm proud of you, Brandy, for delegating because it doesn't make any sense to do it yourself. And and I want to also get into the power of collaboration, which you and I spoke to a little bit earlier, where we're, we're stripping back these beliefs that we've had all these years around work and around how we approach business. And I know when I first started and I was, I was watching even like mentors before me or, or just people who were ahead of me in their journeys who were kind of stingy about collaboration mm-hmm. and didn't want to, you know, get too close with other people in their field or, you know, especially PR people kind of making sure that they're protecting their own. And now it, things have changed so much where I'm seeing the power of collaboration and why can't we work together to make our lives easier? We both have similar goals and we both want to be able to get to them more efficiently. So what yes. have we been doing wrong this whole time? Yes. Oh, agreed. Agreed. And you know, and it's, I look back at it and it's so frustrating because 
there were so many amazing, amazing mentors and amazing, amazing agencies and, and PR practitioners at that time that if they would have just a little drop, especially during that period of wisdom, how that could have fueled, you know, the future generations that were coming up, what that could have done. But, you know, it's kind of what it is. But I love to see the collaboration and partnership that's happening now because we understand how important that is. You know, we can't be just selling it to our clients and saying, you need a partner, you need a partner. And we're not even doing it ourselves. And we're gatekeeping access to information. We're gatekeeping access to, to winning and being successful. When the reality is, is that we could all be successful and winning. We could all There's be. For and it doesn't diminish you. It doesn't diminish your light. It doesn't diminish your success. Everybody can win if we work together and we actually collaborate. But yeah, I look back at those times and I'm like, man, like some of these campaigns, some of these pros, like to have gotten just an inkling of, of that wisdom would have been amazing. Um, especially during that time that they were in, you know, mm-hmm. that was before we had streaming yeah. and that was before and social media really just kickstarting when it was back to, you know, back to the roots of PR where it was media, media, media. It was guerrilla campaigns and very like old school, you know, learning some of those different tactics and things like that and, and getting some of that wisdom, how beneficial it could have been for future practitioners. Because now I think even in terms of the industry, I, I don't think that it's a very large industry, at least from what it was. No. To what it is now. We've and lost, many we've lost some. are leaving. They're leaving because of, you know, they feel like they have a lack of support or they haven't quite found their tribe. But the resources, the tribes, they are here. And they're here in a way that they really were not 10 plus years ago. They really were not. They really weren't. And I'm seeing it so much. And, and now we get this opportunity to have this new age, you know, kind of tribe with other communications leaders. And that involves being able to say, no, we are prioritizing rest. We're not doing hustle culture. We're over that. We saw how that did us dirty. And I know Mm -hmm. that we live in this media cycle that's like never ending, but there are ways to prioritize yourself and shut down a little bit so that you can be a hundred percent for tomorrow. Cause you got to still love what you do. You're not going to love it anymore. If you're, if you're grinding yourself into the dirt, but exactly on that note too, this power of collaboration, it's so real when it comes to, you know, we can share resources, share tools, talk about how, you know, we want to be able to whitelist or outsource or or do certain things that grow my agency, can grow your agency. We could all do these things together and ultimately um, reach our goals to helping the client. So I love that we're kind of in that energy now. And because this is very a very like, you know, energetic wave to be on when you are an entrepreneur and kind of understanding how these things fit in. Did you have any like mantras or affirmations that you live by that kind of get you through day to day? Oh goodness. Yes. So one that I always go to and it, it's pretty basic. It's a saying that I've got this. Yes. I've got this. That's important. And I do it in the mirror. And here's why I read somewhere, I think it was like a podcast or a psychologist, but basically they said that you need to see yourself and you need to see yourself vocalizing what it is that you want and really having it ingrained in your mind so that it's something that it, it, it just, it sticks, it stays with you. And the same thing goes when you're, you know, practicing for a speech, 
You don't need to be practicing for a speech at your desk or on your couch. You need to do it in front of a mirror where you're reflecting against yourself and you can see yourself and you can see someone, you know, of course it's yourself, but having someone look at you as you're kind of speaking just so that you can get comfortable with what you're saying and how your body is moving and, and what you're doing. So I do that. And it's very, very similar to Issa Rae, I knew who I love. <laughs> I love. And she did in one of the press junkets for Barbie, just kind of an example of what she does. And, and I'm like, that's literally me. It was so powerful. Yes. And that's what you need. You need to be fueling yourself. You need to be engaging yourself and really putting all of that positive energy and vibes back into yourself. And, and sometimes, you know, individuals, they don't have that person that can do that for them. That's where you come in. Do it for yourself. Yeah. And just get in the mirror and don't and close the door. It doesn't matter. Leave the door open. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, if you look, if you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm going to look stupid or what, you know what? Don't even worry about that. Worry about you. It's just you. How you're going to feel when you're pumping yourself up. Right. And I look at it like this is how you get your your game face on. Think of it like athletes when they're over there getting pumped up, they're getting that speech and they're just like, yeah, I've got this. That's where I go into it when I'm like, I've got a really big presentation I'm doing. I've got a speech I'm doing or I'm about to go do this interview, you know, let, let me, let me look at my game face on. And I just go in there and I just go at it. I'm like, okay, I've got this. I you know, you've got it. this. Yes. We got this. Okay. Man, girl, you, I thought I didn't, ah, you've got no, this. Did you, you think you're you're over here what are you doing in here? No. Like, you know, you've got this. We're good. <laughs> and just telling yourself that. And, and you slowly start to strip away any of that anxiety and those feelings that you have that you're not going to perform when you know, like, actually, I'm the expert at this. Like, why am I acting like I don't know what I know? I know what I know because I know what I know because Remind I've got the experience, yourself. the expertise, and they're asking me to show that. Not this person, this person, they're coming to me. That's so right. clearly they know that I've got the sauce and I'm gonna go do what I do best and I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do it well. I think that's what it, what really pumps me up and Ooh. really gets me prepared. Yeah. I also have a nice playlist too. Okay. A lot of women, empowerment. I've got Trina. I've got Nikki. Yes. And I, I even got some Swifty stuff on there too. Ooh, we're going to have to slide that playlist Girl. over. We're going to have Absolutely. to share it out. <laughs> Just to get you pumped up and like, oh yeah, this is game day. Oh, we're, we're going to, we're coming here to perform and do what we do best. So get your, get your, get your mind right. Get your spirit right. Get your flow right. And sometimes it's hearing it, it's saying it, it's all of those things. Those are the things that, you know, I do and, and it just gets me ready. It gets me pumped up and, you know, and that's, that's what makes a difference. That's you, really what makes a difference. You just got me pumped up. I'm sitting here. I feel like you just gave us about 20 different affirmations to say in the mirror, a little, a little remix yep. on it, but yep. it's, it's not basic or simple at all. It's, it's something that's so important. Yep. And I have found that when I do that, I really do feel it. It makes such a difference. And then you have to think back to that feeling because there's been times where I put myself up in the mirror and I'm saying, I like to say like, you're going to have a good day regardless. Cause you know, sometimes there's days yeah. when you're not feeling it yes. and you know, you have things to do. Like, I know I have interviews. I know I have work. I, I have all these things on my plate and I'm like, yep. you're going to have a good day regardless. You're here for a reason. Same type of thing. Like the, you got this yes. mentality and yeah. then you end up going, killing it. And you have to come back to feel like, you know what? that worked. I'm going to do it again. And that's yes. when you get into that habit or routine of actually looking yourself in the mirror, hyping yourself up. Yes. And I've really gone to the point where I'm like, girl, we're doing this today. Like, yes. don't psych yourself out. This is your mm -hmm. moment. This is what's, this is what's happening. 
And I love that. This is your moment. (laughs) That's some of the things that you need to hear from yourself. Like, this is your moment. It's time to rise to the occasion and you've got this. Let's go. And, you know, just those those positive affirmations, those mantras, that's what's going to make you get into your zone and get into your space where like you can do this. And, you know, again, you know, at first it seems like, oh man, I'm going to look stupid and somebody's going to hear me. And then eventually after you've done it so many times, you're like, I don't even care. I can say it in the public. I got this. Who got this? You got this. Got yep. This. <laughs> I got this. You got this. We got this, girl. We got this. Yep. <laughs> exactly. I exactly. Love that energy, Brandy. That is yes. like that is the vibe that I love to have for myself and for people around me. So I would love to hear that you are talking yourself up in the mirror because you definitely yes deserve it. It definitely shows in the work that you do that you have your own back, you're supporting yourself and you've built something that has supported you because you definitely need support while you're doing all this great work. So love that you're delegating, love that you're taking care of yourself. And before we head out, I did want to play a quick game of this or that PR pro edition. So the first one, this is something that I've been chatting with a lot of PR pros about. Are you quoted or Harrow? Ooh, quoted. Definitely quoted. (laughs) Quoted. For those who don't know, these are two services out there that are geared for PR pros and kind of helping find some leads that journalists are are kind of sourcing quotes for. Harrow is a little bit, it's kind of like the first edition. Quoted seems like Harrow on steroids. So we love quoted around here. (laughs) I'm glad I'm not the only one. (laughs) <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. And you know, Harrow is changing. Is it? I got an email that Harrow is becoming connectively, connectively. Really? Oh. And they're trying to, I guess, streamline it down a little bit more where I, I guess they're vetting some of the requests a little bit further and helping with the communication to get you connected a lot better. Well, hence connectively. I think it's great. I think that it'll be great. a really good thing because yeah, Harrow was like the first edition and it worked. It worked for some time and, you know, we've grown up, you know, yeah. we've graduated. <laughs> we, we've evolved. Like it helped we've evolved. her out was, it was, was helping. It was, it was yes. doing what it was meant to do, but I love yes. to hear the evolution of it. So thanks for bringing that update. Yes. Mandy. yes. I'm going to go back and tell the girls we're getting connectively because yes. I'm loving these PR tools out here. And that's another thing that we didn't quite have a lot of these things that we have now. So yes. Yeah. We could oh, talk 100%. about quoted all day, I'm sure. So we'll save that conversation <laughs> offline. So so my next one is, and I'm I'm, I'm going to still go with the original edition of this name, Twitter or LinkedIn? Ooh, LinkedIn. Ah, LinkedIn. So good. And if it was old Twitter, I would say old Twitter. <laughs> old Twitter. Ooh, I'm, I think this is about the third episode I've mourned Twitter. Yes. It's just, it used to be such a great place. I mean, I know a lot of media is still on there. But it's just, you know, so many people have left the platform, which which kind of stinks about yeah. it. But like with LinkedIn, the visibility is just incredible, especially when you're so involved in in kind of different communities and, and giving people updates and being able to be top voice and all, all the features that it comes with. It's become a really cool place to be an entrepreneur. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, it's it's one of those new resources that, you know, we didn't really have in the past, but now it's like you can directly connect with other founders and CEOs and talk business. 
because it's a business platform. That's exactly what it's designed for. So I, I think it's incredible yeah. for that. Yeah. You're not quite sliding in the DMs. Exactly. <laughs> not that that's bad, but you know, it, it makes it a little bit more acceptable. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. So for our last question, would you rather be Kanye's publicist or Doja Cat's publicist? Oh, right, right now. My heart. I know. Oh, goodness gracious. That That is a tough one. You know what? Surprisingly enough, I would go with Kanye. I would go with Kanye simply because he has longevity and he has skin in the game. Mm-hmm. And while he has made a lot of poor decisions, I think, and publicly at that, I think that there's still an opportunity that he can be rebranded. And really tackling, and, and it, it would the first thing on the list is really tackling what he has done to be very hurtful to many communities, the yes. Black community, LGBTQ plus community, the Jewish community. That would be at the very top of the list of addressing and, and not just in a, a nice press release statement, but what are some active ways that you can actually relearn for the black community kind of what our challenges are and and from our perspective but also from the jewish community learning you know the facts behind the community so that you can make more educated viewpoints and 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 uh, and sharing information but yeah that would be at the top of my list Um, i love doja i love her but yeah she's still a new artist to me and I, I hope that it's not a career like tanking that she's trying to do, or it, it's like a, I don't know, like a play on, I want to be unlikable and maybe eventually they'll go away. I'm not like, sure. I hope that's not the case because she's a great artist and very, very talented. Yeah. But she's still considered, I would consider her new. So yeah. she still hasn't reached that point where, okay, now you're like Brad Pitt, for example, he's been doing it too long. He's yeah. already like, he's embedded. You are, are kind of new to this. Very so much you so. still have time to fall off and then no one else will hear. Yeah, it's true. And, <laughs> and no matter how good you are, because yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the music and yes. it's one of those things where you don't want it to be what it is. But I mean, like you said, it very well could be that. Whereas yeah. like you said, Kanye having a little bit more skin in the game. I mm-hmm. love what you said about just kind of addressing, you know, first you got to acknowledge. First things first. First things first. We got to talk about it. And then I think maybe another good next step would be maybe even addressing mental health and talking about the story behind that or yes. bringing awareness to that. That could be a great follow up to it. So I mean, Agreed. yeah, call us yeah, yeah. if you want to talk about. I'm just saying. <laughs> because I mean, and, that, and that's kind of one of the things now that we're hearing more conversations around and it's, it's becoming more and more frequent. And I imagine it's going to get even more so in the next few years surrounding the conversation around mental health and especially in the black community, because it is still very much a stigma. I feel like he is in such a good position where he can not only address, of course, you know, first things first, but he can address that mental health aspect of it because a lot of people weren't aware that he had mental health issues. Yeah. And not to excuse the behavior, but, you know, that does impact decision making. And mm-hmm. I I think that people are not as aware of how the gravity of mental health 
is for people and in specific conditions. Like it's not kind of one of those things where it's like a, oh, it's a cold. And if you just take the vitamins and you take this stuff, it'll be fine. Like some of this, like it's mental, it's very deeply rooted and it's not just a quick fix. It's something that this person is probably going to need constant care Mm -hmm. and is probably going to need constant treatment for it. And with that, there has to be a little bit of grace with them. But, you know, it kind of, again, goes back in the conversation of mental health that oftentimes it's kind of separated from healthcare when it really, it's right under that. It's right in that. It's your brain chemistry. Oh, that's a luxury. Or, oh, you just need a counselor to talk about why you couldn't get a couple more Lamborghinis. Like this is actually something really deeply rooted Mm -hmm. and it affects not just rich people. It affects poor people. It affects middle class. It affects everyone in a very different way. He just has the resources to do better. And the hope is to do better with that. That is the hope. Especially when it's like, you know, like you said, people are, you're not sure if you're supposed to excuse it or how much grace is supposed to be given because obviously heinous things were done that really hurt people. So that would be, that would be quite the task to be able to kind of get in there and figure out the messaging to not only address it, but kind of also even provide context as to why this occurs and how it is the chemical makeup of your brain and it is yes. healthcare and other people go through this. And like you said, at this moment, especially with black folks, black men, yes. that would be quite the convo. So again, yeah. Yeah. Call us. Call I mean, us. <laughs> Call us up. so much with that. There's there's so many things that can be done with that can that can actually really, really help people. And I think that's what you get down to the bottom of it, that you can actually turn this very ugly situation and crisis essentially, because that's mm-hmm. what it was, and turn it into something very beautiful that helps people and helps to heal and yeah, give us a call. Like, us a I call. would work with you 100%. Yes, 100%. <laughs> in, in the power of collaboration, we're both here for you. And hopefully we'll be able to collaborate on many more things, Brandy. But this yes. has been an incredible conversation. I honestly could keep talking for another hour and a half, but I'm going to let you get back to all the great things that you're doing. But before we hop off, let us know where we can find you. We'll have your information in the show notes, but tell us a little bit about where we can find you. Of course, of course. So yeah, you can definitely reach out. Social media is probably best contact at Brandy Sims PR. I'm on all the major platforms, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. You can also follow our page at Brand Inc. PR. So B-R-A-N-D-I-N-C-P-R. Check us out on threads. Check me out on threads. Same handle. If you ever just want to find out, you know, what resources are out there, what's some really helpful information for me as a startup founder and entrepreneur, we post a lot, a lot of helpful guidance, helpful information, resources that we find that, to benefit you. So you can certainly visit brandingpr.com and check out our resources pages and just see what is it that you need, because likely we have something for you. We work with quite a few entrepreneurs and also a volunteer and do a lot of pro bono gigs supporting entrepreneurship because we believe in it so much. So we have a ton of really helpful resources that are just there. If you need it, it's there. Check it out. Yes. You hear that y'all? Resources. Resources all around us. They're there. Thank you so much again, Brandy. This has been a great chat and we will see you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Main Character Energy. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. 
Be sure to follow on social at TifferDie and Main Character Energy Pod to access exclusive content and get a behind the scenes look as well as resources to help you become that bitch. See you next week.